Welcome to IDIQ Labs, the podcast where we deep dive under a microscope and explore the ever-changing landscape of personal and financial wellness. Brought to you by IDIQ, an industry leader in identity theft protection and credit monitoring products. We got another exciting episode today, so let's get started. All right, so today we're talking about student loans, uh, some pros and cons of student loans themselves, also the different types of student loans. And, um, you know, I, I feel like my kids are still in college. One's about to graduate, and I just recently learned a lot of great things about student loans that I wish that I would, would have known a lot sooner. Did you sooner. have one? Did I have student loans? Yeah. I did. How yeah. much? Yeah. Um, my student how much in student loans did I have? Yeah. When you graduated, how much? When I graduated, I had $50,000 in student mm. loans. Do yeah. you still have any? No. Okay. I don't. 25000 I had twenty five thousand. Yeah, but it was my it was my from my grandfather, and he. That's a personal loan. Then. Yeah, I know, but it was because I was in school, and I and like, my parents were entrepreneurs, and they made a certain amount of money, but they it, it jacked up their ability to, from them to get me the right kind of student loan at the time, and so I had to go find money from family. And then I was like, oh, when I get out of college, I think, oh, I'm going to be able to pay it off like in a normal student loan time frame, like 10 years or something. Yeah. And my grandpa goes, so I was thinking like three years. <laughs> <laughs> it was a $750 payment right out of school. Did he charge you interest? Uh, no. That, oh, so it yeah. was it was like, so I had to figure out how to pay it. But I real, the whole time I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but interest free. I was like, I, I got to figure this out somehow. But he, I would, he was hardcore. He was like, he was like, I was thinking two years, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take three years. And I was like, wow. One of my, you're very top. privileged. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, in the end, it was very lucky for sure. Yeah. So it's interesting because one of my proudest moments was when I graduated from college debt free. Oh, nice. And so it just it laid a foundation. That helped a lot. And That's I, awesome. And I set that up as a plan for both of my kids, which wasn't as successful. But <laughs> <laughs> Was well, it by your own effort that you graduated debt-free, or did you have outside help? No, 100% my own effort. And my, my daughter actually did the same, um, but my son did not. <laughs> and so there's a lot of learnings on what we can do and help people so that they don't have the same challenges. But is it just because you were frugal and worked hard and got side jobs and stuff and like, or built your own business or what? A combination of all those. It was just a commitment that I, you know, something my dad did and kind of got in my head and it was going to be my defining moment to do the same. And so, yeah, I was entrepreneurial. I, I ended up starting my own business in college, sold t-shirts. It was uh, co-ed naked lacrosse, rough, tough, and in the buff. <laughs> And I started, <laughs> and I hit on. Why am I not surprised? And I hit on something that worked, and then ended up actually selling them at different colleges. And whenever I needed to make my payment, whether it was tuition, rent, whatever it was, I literally would go around. And you know, it served multiple purposes. One of the best was I got to meet every single person that went to school at JMU. So, That's awesome. so I got to meet a lot of people, but I also used this as a catalyst to make my payments and. And whenever I That's needed awesome. to, I ordered more and sold more yeah. and hustled and, you know, it was great. So that was, and then I worked a lot there in the summers. Yeah. And just was made, made payments and was, got ahead of it. Wow. So what type of loan, loans did you have while you were in college? I never got a loan. Oh, you never got a loan? No, before my payments were made, were due each semester and books and 
rent each month. I literally would oh, go man, out. That's and pressure. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, you know, I was on a saver plan, waiting tables on the summers and yeah. what I did and, you know, just putting money away, knowing what I needed to make and made it work. And so, yeah, it was pretty. That's pretty, awesome. How did your daughter cool. do this? She worked two jobs and just, and, you know, she, uh, she was amazing. She didn't get less than a 94 in any class in four years. Worked Working. two jobs. Wow. And um, she, because it was the same thing that my dad instilled in me, she got in her head and she was like, I'm going to make this happen. There may have been a time or two when I would help out, but she always paid me back before she graduated. So, yeah. Are your kids getting loans right now? Yes. Yes. So that's all. We wanted to, yeah. They are also working and paying the majority of their loans. Um, But we wanted to make sure that, you know, we can... We can pay their loan, or we could help pay pay for the school, but we wanted the, them to get the experience and yeah. feel the pressure of like what that feels like. The yeah. responsibility. Yeah. The responsibility. You right? learn that in college, and it will carry for sure. forward for the rest yeah. of your life. Just basically. And then how to manage it. I mean, I think I told on one of the other podcasts, I, I may have told this story, but my oldest son was getting ready to propose to his girlfriend, and he put together an entire like budget to present to her parents uh, so he could ask for her hand in marriage. And so he had this whole PowerPoint presentation and budget Excel spreadsheet that he put together with um, how he's paying off student loans so that they would understand that he's not going to come into their, into their (laughs) daughter's life with a bunch of debt. Was there like a dowry? I'm, I'm waiting for like a dowry conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we had it. Yeah. <laughs> People don't do that anymore. I know. What the hell? <laughs> Actually, it's a good thing. So speaking of it's that, a good my daughter you. is. <laughs> my, a good speaking of that, because my daughter is currently in her third year. She has no debt, but she did a combination. She she has no debt yet. Um, First two years were at, at uh, junior college, and so now she's transferred to uh, state school for her third year, but she's worked through it, and she also lived at home. So she just kind of like the frugality and then um, working to, to support the, the education. So hopefully it continues. Yeah, definitely. I have I th- a feeling my next kid is going to want to go somewhere else and be way more expensive. I just I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> yeah, my son, it was interesting when he went to school He's a big swimmer, and where he went to school, uh, didn't have a men's swim team. So he's all of a sudden, I was like, okay, you got to figure this out. And um, so he ended up joining the ROTC, and uh, huge commitment, personal commitment. You know, waking yeah, that's up a lot of time. Yeah, <clears throat> they give him a scholarship too, him. right? It's a full scholarship. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, even though he got approved in the first semester, he didn't start it until the second semester. Oh. The program, and it was obviously a pretty expensive school, so it's. Uh, it was just something that he, but that personal commitment that he put himself through literally every day and waking up and pouring rain and the freezing cold and being out there at 3, 4 a.m. and once a month going to the special training and everything else that he had to do. I mean, that's the kind of commitment, right? That unfortunately, I think from a society perspective, we, not everybody either has afforded those same opportunities or has other challenges or can't make those kind of commitments and then they graduate and it's this Oh, crap moment. Yeah. I know. So far, we've <laughs> talked about how awesome our kids are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, my, my kids are awesome, but their parents were not so awesome. <laughs> in, in understanding this whole student loan process 
and understanding the difference between the the uh, federal loans and the private loans and uh, what requirements for both there are the benefits of each but I mean how would you have learned that though like that's not I easy mean I should stuff. have asked Jeff yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to learn you know like it's, it's but, I don't know you know but even think about something that is second nature to us like credit yeah yeah Credit isn't rocket science, but most people learn through trial and error. They, they make mistakes and we figure it out. Our parents aren't teaching us. Yeah. Student loans, to your point, are way more complex and understanding, do you have a, you know, do you go down the path of a federal loan, a private loan, what's forgivable, what's not? What are payment terms? Can I refinance this, can I not? These are things that are second nature to us, fortunately, because of what we do, but not to our kids, not to society. And you know, now with all, the deferments and now starting payments again, the impacts and how can people, you know, is there forgiveness for folks or is there not? It's complicated. And, you know, I don't think we do a good enough job in society of providing the resources and the education to people up front, whether it's parents, whether it's students. We wait until after the fact and assume they're going to make the right decision, but they don't know. And when you look at the stats of the reality of what student debt looks like, there's a reason. It's for that yeah. we're not educating society effectively on what their options are and more importantly i think what the impacts are of the decisions that they make what are so how how long after someone graduates do they generally are they burdened with with student debt well 6 months is the typical time frame that you have a deferment but the here's what most people don't understand interest is accruing from day 1 yep and that's the thing that you want to try to get ahead of if you can. If you can at least manage through that because that debt's growing every year. That six months, sure, if I feel like I can wait, but I don't understand the cost. Here's what's, what, what's interesting. So when you start looking at some of the data, the average cost of a somebody that graduates with $30,000 in student loan debt, you know, that cost a typical person about $39,000. Yeah. Right. That payment's $333 a month. If you double that, you go to or $50,000 in debt. Now you've got, I think it was $59,000 in total debt. And you, what your payment is, I've got it down, it's over, um, it, I'm sorry, $66,000 in total wow. debt. And it's $555 a month. You move to the next category of somebody with $100,000 in debt. Which is not uncommon today. I mean, when you look at these schools sure. that are fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a year, one hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt is very common, mm -hmm. and that payment is a hundred or the total debt is equal to one hundred thirty-three thousand dollars. Wow, it's insane! And you've got a payment of eleven hundred and ten dollars when you graduate per month for ten years. Hopefully, you're a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> but, but this <laughs> leads this leads to something I think really important. What we were just talking about, which is most people have no concept of the debt and the impact after school when they're deciding what school they go to. Right. They go to, they pick a school based on the name or their parents or friends or whatever. And they don't think about the degree they're going to get. They don't think about what, how much money they're going to make. So on average, when you have a college degree, you're going to make 50% more. Well, that's an average. That doesn't factor in the individuals that aren't going into investment banking or engineering. 50% more of 
if someone did not get that degree. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. A degree. A degree. A degree. So just college degree versus no. Correct. Right. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you pick a school for all the wrong reasons because it maybe it feels good. It's going to be fun or whatever it may be, but you're going there and you're getting a degree in marketing or general business administration. <laughs> <laughs> marketing. <laughs> But something that when you graduate is typically not going to give you the ability to pay these kinds of payments. And so let's say you go to a, a private school and it's $70,000 a year and you graduate and you've got over $100,000 in debt and you got to make $1,100 a month in payment with after-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, forget can, about a, you, a you, car living. Yeah, forget about all You can't afford stuff. it. Yeah. And that's where there's almost no thought process going into what school, what degree, how much you're going to make, how much am I going to spend, and what am I going to have to spend after. And that's part of leading to this $1.77 in student debt problem that we have. Wow. It's insane. That is insane. Um, so you touched on something a second ago that I want to go back to. So you said interest starts on day one. Can you explain the difference between like subsidized and unsubsidized and how that may impact interest and how it's accrued? I mean, so when you when you start to think about subsidized, a lot it there's forgivable, there's non-forgivable, and that's understanding the terms of what you're getting into. Um, each loan is unique, and again. Private student loans are very different than federal student loans and how they work. To the extent that you get a subsidized loan, most of the time it's forgivable um, on the piece that's not, that you're, that, that is subsidized. Right. Which is only like half, right? Correct. Yeah. So yes, it's a, if you can get it, it's no different than getting this scholarship. All right, everybody should pursue these. Everybody should be looking at strategies of what they can do to mitigate or minimize what that total loan is going to, obligation is going to be when you graduate. Um, most people as well aren't taking a look at, again, the terms. Is it a 10-year repayment plan? Is it a 20-year repayment plan? What does this look like at the end of four years if I don't make a payment and I wait six months to pay? Yeah. You know, they just see the number. What what's it going to cost me this month? They just see that that single payment amount. I don't even, yes, but I don't even think they look most students when you talk to them, look at it that way. I think they look at it as go, am I going to be able to get into this school? One. Well, yeah. Two, can I get money somehow? Forget what I'm going to owe. That's going to enable me to actually commit to the school. Yeah. Well, through a I'll think about it later. I will think yeah. it's it's a it's yeah. a mentality of pain, you know, it's buy now, pay later. Because really what they're thinking is the they're probably gonna get fifty percent more in income if they know that's that, then so who cares about how much it costs for them to get that fifty percent more in income? Because really they all my kids think about is like how much money am I gonna make in whatever job. And my daughter's getting a sociology degree, so I'm not. That's <laughs> my so point. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, she's not going to USC. Yeah. She's the, <laughs> I told you, she's the one who nice and frugal so far. But <laughs> so, but that's the problem. It's I think we've got this mentality, and this is where we fail in our education. It's like credit card debt. It's I can buy now and pay later. Yeah. And without that education of what that real obligation is, and what are those terms of the loans that they're getting into, and 
what are what are the strategies and options that I have to actually reduce those payments? Can I get ahead of it? It's not the mentality of a lot of society, let alone youth today. And I think that's that's why we have this. Not only are the costs of schools, so that the, 15 years ago the total debt was about 619 uh, billion. billion. It's now 1.77 trillion. Wow. So you look at the cost of education combined with the inability for people to pay 20% of our debt today is with individuals that are over 50 years old right now. That's amazing. And they may never see a day in their lifetime since they graduated without a student loan payment. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. So how would they, they must have just, they refi, defer, do whatever they can do to, because of the income-based stuff too, right? So with the income-based, the repayment plans. Correct. Then you may be paying like a tiny, tiny percentage of it. That's right. And you know, so there's so much press about the administration's repayment plans. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, when, when looking through my notes and the data to get ready for this <laughs> fun time with the two of you, I, I came out of it depressed. And I'm a, as you guys know, I'm a very optimistic person. And I was sad. And basically, I came out and said, we are in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. And it, it's tough because we talk about forgiveness and create all this buzz. And the, the fact from the fiction is the reality is unless you've been paying in one of these payment plans for 20, most of the times 25 years, you're not qualifying. And they talk about who does qualify. It's a small fraction of society. So think about all the people that haven't been paying for 20 or 25 years. Right. There's zero forgiveness. It's, right. it's nothing. So when you say we're in big trouble, that sounds like a macro term. It is a macro like, term. So like expand on that. Sure. Like what, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get deep. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> so, but we've got donuts. We've I got know, coffee. I, we're good. Yeah. Can I have some of your coffee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I like um, to point the logo out though. Yeah. You, you have to yeah. hold it with your left hand. Yeah. You have to hold the coffee with your left hand. That was That's a synchronized. Better. That's right. Trip. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Here's why we're in trouble. Unsecured debt is at the highest levels that it's ever been. Right? We, we are seeing credit card and other unsecured debt on average well over $30,000 a person now. Or I want to say six months ago and just customers that we were working with, it was about $30,000. It's now about $45,000. It's insane what we're seeing just in the oh, six Unsecured month. debt. Unsecured debt. That's unreal. It's unreal. You look at a rising interest rate environment that we're in, mm -hmm. look at the inflation that we have, look at the, like what's going on from a global economy and with all the tensions, and where's the path out? And we're, again, we're, you know, like I just mentioned, when we talked about loan forgiveness, it's for the few, not the many. Right. We're not solving for things like how do we get more people educated, more people through our system that can have better jobs, and understand these things and reduce their debt and be smarter with the finances, the problem is growing and perpetuating. And when you look at the student debt that people can't pay today, there is no real forgiveness because you don't have bankruptcy as a solution. You don't have debt resolution options like debt settlement as a viable option. You got to pay it. Most people can't pay it. 
So how are we going to solve for that? So you're saying it's too easy to get a student loan. Then they're too expensive to pay off. And then they don't get the job that they would need to pay it off. And then so then student loan continues to increase and it makes this the cost of living for these folks just less and less affordable. And so more and more people are going to funnel through that system. All these compounding factors, less yeah. people can pay their basic bills today, but they have these other obligations driven. Again, student loans are just one of them, but it's a huge component of our national debt. And we don't have viable solutions. So the problem, especially in a rising interest rate, high inflation economy, people can afford less. Well, how do they, what, what are they going to pick and choose? They're going to pick shelter. They're going to pick transportation. Right. They're going to pick food. Yeah, shelter. Yeah, exactly. But they're in survival mode. So they <laughs> just are building debt to survive. And things like student loans, we don't have enough regulations and I'm not a big regulation person. I'm a big privatized person from a philosophical perspective. But the, the cost of education is just going up. But we're not doing anything to help, like, mitigate that. Okay, so <laughs> you're talking about the problems of student loans. But then go back to, like, somebody who grows up in, um, like, a, not a very well-off family and needs to go to school because they're – they they've worked hard and they deserve it and so they're going to go to school they're going to they're the only way is for them to get a student loan if they don't get scholarships and grants there may be more more scholarships and grants there, available to them there might be more scholarships but, the but there is right. this chunk of people who kind of fit right in this niche that student loan is the only way right that's right uh and so i mean it's not it's not a thing that's going to go away so what can we do for those people and other than, you know, I mean, more scholarships and grants sounds and great. Maybe but. touch on like the pros and cons of student debt. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. there's still, there's a need for it. There's a hundred percent a need. I think obviously you could look at the data and be objective and getting a secondary education is going to set you up for more success in life, at least in the first 10 years. I think society is evolving a little bit. And a big question about how much formalized education you need versus other types of training and specialized training. But that's still, I think the primary expectation is that you need a secondary education in order to qualify for a lot of jobs. Yeah. And when you qualify for those jobs, on average, again, look at the data, you have the opportunity to make 50% more. Right. Without that education. So yes, you, you do need this. You do need it. So student loans are a vehicle for individuals that could not get into these schools and pay for it, don't have parents that are able to do it for them. That's their only option. Right. So we've got to do a better job, again, of educating them and giving the resources on what they can do, not only the types of loans that are available, the scholarships, the grants, programs. There's so many untapped programs out there that, again, I call it lazy. I call it lack of taking the time or initiative to find them and fill out, you know, all your forms. There's the FAFSA and everything else you yeah. can do to get subsidies. A lot of people just don't do it or they maybe don't know that these options exist. And that's perpetuating this this challenge that, that we're facing. The other thing that there's there's employers that will pay for education. So you can go and get jobs 
prior to going to college, they'll, uh, and they're hard to find, but you can find them and they'll help subsidize or pay for school. There's things like I did, start a business. It's not complicated anymore. You can, you can get some different ideas with low investment and go get a job or like my daughter and go get two jobs, but get ahead of the curve. There's ways that you can offset it. So even if you do get a loan, don't wait until six months after you graduate to start thinking that, oh, I've got this thing I've got to now worry about. And now if I feel yeah. for the next 20 years, I'm underwater. Mm -hmm. that, that's, the, that's the paradigm, Rick, I think we need to change. I was a truck driver. That's what I did in, in between school. So that's how I paid for I school. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I went in the military. Yeah. Military yeah. is a great choice. It's uh, a great yeah. choice. Military is a fantastic choice. Yeah. So there's just, you know, there's the, the cons is that, again, sound like a broken record, but if you don't pay, it's going to severely hurt your credit. But where does that education start? Because it doesn't start in high school where it should start, right? It should start when someone's getting ready to graduate high school. I know my kids, their senior year, uh, there were different groups that would come in and talk about, this is what you should expect. These are the next things that are happening. Uh, but it was a lot about college life and other things, not necessarily about the financial aspects of how to approach, approach that, like a strategist. You almost need a strategist when you're getting ready to graduate high school that can help you to decide like what direction you need to go. I think, you know, honestly, I look in the mirror, it starts with us as parents. And, but you know, we don't know, but we have a response now with all everything that's available online. It's, it's, we have a society that a lot of times doesn't take their own initiative. They wait for things to come to them. Yeah. That, so again, if we can't look in the mirror and, and take some of that accountability in society as parents, if we have kids, it's one of our responsibilities is to help educate them, not just rely on the school systems. School systems need to do a better job for sure, but it starts with, you know, leveraging resources. There are so many available. And not when we grew up, the digital era didn't exist. Nothing like it does today. Now it. I know you're going to talk about yourself, yeah. not me. <laughs> I was pre-digital. We're, we're, yeah, we've already discussed my age. Yeah, we, we make fun of ourselves for how we, right. we had. A, we talked about gaming one time, and <laughs> sorry, we had digressed. Very, but, yeah. but 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 there's so much information available. We, I think, there's companies, organizations like ours. Right. We can continue to do a better job. We put information out there, but how do we distribute that information? How do we make people aware of the information and the tools and the resources like credit and debt, where we have budgeting tools and different things that they can educate or do on their own from a DIY perspective or access coaches that are available. But I think, again, there needs to be continued distribution, continued awareness, but we also Again, it's the lack of accountability that I think we have as a society because we expect it to be done for us. We expect that to just naturally happen or the school systems. Well, if it's not and we know it's not, isn't it our responsibility to try to teach our kids individually mm -hmm. more? And I don't know that we do. It's definitely our responsibility. Um, I think I was fortunate. My, my econ teacher in high school was fantastic. He taught us a whole bunch of cool stuff like this. Um, even budgeting, everything, all that That's stuff. Cool. Yeah, he was really good. 
but I think it was he just happened to be good. I don't I yeah. don't know if that was part of the standard. It's not the main. It's not the standard. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the, that's yeah. the problem. And he was really good. So we've got to we've got to get ahead of it on like the more I I looked at this and reflected on everything, we're not educating ourselves and our children and society on debt and how it actually works. We're using it as a vehicle to get something. Yeah. But, you know, are there options on what you're getting? Whether it's clothes, a car, education is the same thing. Do you really need to go to an $80,000 a year private school if you're going to get a degree in sociology? Right. Maybe, maybe not. You know, are there other options available that give you a, a better outcome where you can still get an equal job and have less debt? We don't think about it that way. We think about what's the shiny object in front of us that we want to get, not how are we going to deal with paying for it downstream because that's the other problem. We defer everything. Right. And if you defer it, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's human nature. And now all of a sudden this issue just compounds naturally. What are we setting society up for if we just let you defer these massive amounts of money? So what are your options if you're, <laughs> if you're in school versus graduated? someone listening to this right now and they're like, I'm screwed and I made all the wrong choices and now I've got this student debt, um, you know, and I've already graduated versus somebody that's in school, maybe they were screwed for their first couple semesters and, uh, and they do have some debt, but maybe they can make some different choices now. Great question. So first, look at your situation. Again, scholarships, and, and um, grants and other things, I don't care if you're a senior in graduate school, are still available. Work, study programs and companies that will help pay are mm -hmm. available. One of the things I did while I was in college, I was a resident advisor. It paid for all my housing, in addition to give me some discounts and free food and other yeah, things. That's there, great. Right? That's there, a really good yeah, suggestion. There, there are <clears throat> real, and they need them in the schools. Yeah. So you can go out and get a job, figure out, you, you know, we are in control of our own schedule when we're in college. Set your courses up where you can go get a job if you need to and start making payments on it now. You can look at, I mean, even though the interest rates are rising, when you look at student loans, they're still accessible from a debt, from an interest rate perspective. Yeah. You can still get student loans between four and a half and eight percent. So it's, a, it's, it's affordable if you, if you go in. So most people probably have, in college, no concept about refinancing. It's, but you know, to us, as we, as we, as we get older and, and we learn more, refinancing has been part of our, right. our vernacular because of our homes and other things that we may own, our cars. Same thing with a car. People aren't thinking about... I'll give you a great example. One of the other problems, sorry. I know you're looking for, a, you asked me about a solution. I was looking at some, some data tied to auto debt. And one of the most staggering statistics that blew me away is that I was talking with the company about setting up a solution to provide auto refinancing options. And I go, like I, I equated it to the mortgage industry in a rising interest rate environment, the refinancing solutions are limited. And they go, Jeff, you don't get it. I'm like, what do you mean I don't get it? And I kind of know this business pretty well. He goes, no, you don't get it. People are willing to pay 10 more points in interest 
and extend their car loan. They could be in their last year of a five or six year car loan. They will double that term just to reduce their payment $200 a month. I'm like, wow. 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 Like that's, yeah. that's insane. That's the reality of what people are facing today is they're willing to take on that much more debt just to lower that payment. And, and so going back, there's a reason I, I shared that story is we gotta, we gotta do a better job of understanding the impacts of payment versus accruing debt. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you walk in, right, there's nothing for many people that they hate worse. When you walk into a dealership and they go, what are you willing to pay? Oh, yeah. Per month. Oh, yeah. Per month. <clears throat> per month. What, what do you payment, want your what monthly? Can you it's yeah. like, I, well, What's I want the car for $30,000. Well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. What can you afford per month? And you want to just walk out and do something else <laughs> to the person. But it's those types of questions where as a society, that's where we're, we're trying to lead people to a bad result. And that's, that's problematic. So again, looking at payment, looking at refinancing options to kind of pull this back to your question, getting secondary jobs or a job while you're going through school, right? One of the, for many of us, when you look back at college, what do you learn the most? You learn about managing time. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're not applying a lot of the skills, maybe technical that you're learning in school, but you do learn time management. Well, what better skill to learn than if you can manage your schedule and your time so that you can get a job so you can reduce that debt and just showing mm -hmm. youth that there are paths and alternatives. Yeah. I like that your comment about refinancing too. Would you ever consider refinancing a federal student loan or just private student loans? Like, are there advantages to keeping it in the federal student loan? Sure. Because private loans are not... Um, Re, um, forgivable. Forgivable. Right. <laughs> so that is, a, it's a great point that, you know, there, we can't let this compounding issue go unaddressed. Yeah. You know, we've got too many politics involved with trying to come to this middle ground that aren't really helping people. And it's only getting worse. So if you have a, a federal loan versus a private loan, maybe the, the forgiveness programs aren't perfect right now. But there is hope there are options that the newest plan that's getting rolled out it's called the save plan right but it goes right to what i just said it does nothing to reduce your payment what it does is it goes to actually i'm sorry to reducing your debt it's all focused on reducing your monthly payment there are some creative options maybe you want to share mr schumack no finish talking about the saved um <laughs> Safe program. Well, yeah. it's just so that the new program that they're rolling out, it was the repay program. And now the new program That's with right. the forgiveness program is the is the safe program. And with the safe program, it's all based income based, and based on your income, it sets a payment that the government believes is affordable. <laughs> right. And so with that, and it's based on your income. So yeah. if you make less than thirty thousand dollars uh a year then you pay zero dollars in in payment so if after you graduate and you want to uh make as little payment as possible you can attempt to either keep your your income as low as possible which should not be your goal as a graduating <laughs> college student nobody's parents gonna love that or you figure out creative ways to 
to keep your taxable income low. But hold on, are you saying you don't you pay zero? Like you don't have to pay the debt, or zero you just dollars. don't have you don't have a payment for a period of time? No, you pay zero dollars while your a, income is while below your that income, threshold. But then, so if it's your income, de- it's deferred. It's, it's just that. So it's just a deferment. Right. Then it goes up to after thirty thousand dollars. I believe it goes up to like five percent of your income. Okay, is and your payment. And so, so it never goes above five percent. But then you were saying if you're if you're married, it counts both your incomes. If you're married, it counts both of your incomes. And so if you if both of your income if you're making less as an individual than that threshold, you could file separately and still get the benefit. Wow, of, that sounds like a that. great creative solution. <laughs> At least to not pay your student loan for a period of time. <laughs> for a period of time. It does not reduce your debt. It doesn't reduce your debt. But so what does that look like on so and the debt doesn't leave your credit report either? The debt does not leave your credit report. And yes. So at least it would it but it would show on your credit report as a zero dollar payment. It should. Right. Show as your show as a zero dollar payment. So your debt to income ratio, if you try to go get more money technically wouldn't be hurt, but you would still have a deferred student loan on your credit report. You would for any... Exactly. So given so it's gonna, if you try to go get more money, it's still going to be... At some point, you're going to need to start paying because you should to try to get yeah. more than $30,000 a year. Yeah. Living on $30,000 in many markets. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. at least bigger cities. Well, it sounds like what Schumacher is advocating for is have make $29,000 a year, Marry somebody who makes twenty nine thousand yes. dollars a year. File separately and don't pay your tax. Don't pay your student Make loan. Make twenty nine thousand dollars a year. Marry somebody that makes five hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> oh, and, and, just, and then you just <laughs> hey Rick, if file. you marry somebody who makes five hundred thousand dollars a year, then they should be able to pay off your student loan. <laughs> is this like credit card stacking? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like credit card stacking. Yeah, this is a very legal way. To <laughs> yeah, to do so. This. so one of the things with this that I, I want to make sure is highlighted too with the safe plan. So if you're in one of the interest reduction payment kind of plans that were out there, or the repay plan, everybody will evolve into a safe plan starting in the summer of 2024 is when that is going to begin to happen. The thing that is good about these plans is that your payment, your part of me, your debt will not grow while you're in it. Okay. So no more, no accruals. That's right. During that period And how do you time. qualify for the save plan? If you were already in a repay plan, you automatically roll in. Um, so how do you qualify for a repay so, plan? So, well, it's loans that were in a pay. This is where it gets limited. So loans that were in a payment for have been it being paid, have been paid for 20 to 25 years. So 240 to 300 months. That's one of the criteria. Um, it's mostly borrowers. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, just, were that sucks. Yeah, on, that sucks. Uh, it sucks for a lot of people. It sucks for a lot. That's my point. That's how I started. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the, win, the, the number of people that qualify, it's so limited. So it's all PR, administrative, political crap, right? And what they're trying to put out is, oh, we're helping all these people. You are helping some, not the many. Yeah. So the other criteria is if mostly applies to borrowers who are on what was called an income contingent repayment plan that started that that option started in 2009 but you had to have been in it for 25 years 
you could have been in the payee plan, which is P-A-Y-P-A-Y-E, which was rolled out in 2012. That requires that you've been paying for 20 years to qualify for this forgiveness. Or the repay plan, which started in 2015, and that requires 20 to 25 years, depending on whether uh, it was a graduate loan or an undergraduate loan. All of this goes back to how in the hell is somebody supposed to know all this stuff? Like, <laughs> well, here's one good thing. we got to figure out how to teach people You this. don't have to apply. If you are already in one of these plans, it will automatically convert. If it qualifies, and the government will let you know. How about the plus plans? The grad plus and parent plus plans? Um, I'll are let, there you, I'll any... let you fill it in. On... <laughs> 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 Tell us about it, Mike. <laughs> I'm asking our expert. <laughs> The parent, <laughs> parent plus and grad plus plans, uh, there are no income requirements and, and they don't check your credit score. So you, there is no income threshold, which I think is, is, you know, that's, I think it's a, maybe a good beneficial way to get into a federal program yeah. and that you're not going to be limited by your income, which that's the problem with, that's with true. a lot of kids that are. Uh, applying for FAFSA is that they have to submit their parents' income with it, and so they get denied uh, federal student loans, or they just get a, a, a small amount, and it doesn't cover. It's like two thousand dollars. Yeah, right? some it's tiny minimum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so these other plans, the plus plans, allow you to get your full uh, your full ride, uh, still in a loan, and there's still interest bearing on it, but. Um, it still, I believe it still has those same requirements as far as the repayment that save plan does where, uh, you only have to pay, uh, it based on your income level. Yeah. Uh, and the goal of save is to reduce payments by 50%. Right. It again, doesn't reduce debt, but it doesn't allow right. your debt to accrue. And it does give you the ability to at least feel like there's a path. Too. Right, this is without new, going right? Through. This is 2023, right? 2024 is as this is being rolled out. Oh, okay, 2024. That is a legitimate benefit to those people who qualify. Absolutely. Just yeah. I, I don't know how much. I, I don't have a good bearing on whether that's going to help the overall student loan problem. It's a, I have no idea. It's a small number. It won't change the debt amount. Right. To Jeff's earlier like, point, like all it's changing is the payment piece of this it doesn't change the and it'll give those people a little bit more money to spend and to increase their consumer spending just to make sure inflation keeps going (laughs) (laughs) that's probably true so just to put it in perspective a couple couple stats before the pandemic we were the government not we were collecting 5.8 billion dollars in payments each month wow now as the payments restart, which they, the interest started accruing again from the from the deferment on September 1st and October 1st, payments started again. Mm-hmm. They're expecting that to double to $100, million, $100 billion each month in payments if it were to be paid. Wow. Just pause and think that about that. That's a massive number. amount. So you asked how many people would benefit from this. Yeah. What, what we're talking about on the forgiveness plans. So we talked about 1.77 trillion. This is would help 39 billion of that and about 804,000 bars is what they're projecting. So pretty small. Wow. It's a pretty small number. Pretty small number. The, 
So it's still worth checking yeah. whether you qualify, even though checking doesn't do anything because they're going to let you know automatically anyway. It's not like you apply for it. So you said that the government is going to collect $100 billion a month in student loan payments? Yes. If everybody pays. How much are they paying out, though, um, in new student loan I, payments? I, 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 mis- loans. I misquoted yeah. that. Okay, because I was going to say. 100 billion this year alone. Okay. For the remainder of the year. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. Versus well, 5. Still, it's 8, not that very. That, that's a quarter. 5.8 billion a month. So if you, that's right. It was, it's a quarter. So starting in October. They're expecting to get. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Let's get this straight. It's 100 billion this year. Yeah. But again, since these programs aren't starting till October, we could assume yeah. that that's the case. It's a 6x increase per it's month. It's a big yeah. number. Yeah. That, it's just, it's yeah. a big number. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things, and I'm not sure from a time perspective what we have, but I thought it's like, it's not the top 10, but like, you know, like going back, David Letterman, kind of the top 10 thing. But, you know, one of the things that could be interesting or helpful is- Did you watch David Letterman? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought we were going to make a my, Jeff's old joke. <laughs> my aunt and uncle would record it okay. <laughs> during the week. And my entire family, my mom, dad, and I, we'd all go to their house and watch it every Friday So night not, not on, Leno? On VHS. On the black and white wow. TV. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm the only young one here. I know. You are. Want to go back to Johnny Carson? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, here's a couple of strategies and tips. Hold on. As we're wrapping up, <laughs> as we're wrapping today up, what are a few things, a few strategies and tips that you have for uh, for people out there? Do you have ten? <laughs> I think you might. I actually have ten on the dot. <laughs> How did I know? Let's do it. Not, not on purpose. Let's hear it. I know, but I really didn't know that I was guessing. All right. So, and they're in no particular order. These aren't prioritized. One. Like any debt, make extra payments. So if you have the ability um, to pay extra, pay it. it. Then there could be a lot of reasons why some extra money comes in, a refund, whatever it is. If you apply it, you're paying it towards principal. Mm-hmm. The other thing is a biweekly payment. So no different than like on a mortgage or a car. To the extent, just the way amortization works, we won't get into it. If you're able to make a payment twice a month, you will dramatically, if your loan was over 10 years, you, without doing the math, maybe you cut it down to seven to eight years. Right. It's a, it's a major, major positive impact. And most people just don't realize that. Right. Um, it's, you have the ability to consolidate and refinance based on rates. And so you should always be checking that you never know what options are available. So that's a big one. Um, enroll in auto pay. Oftentimes, for student debts, as well as other debts, you can get up to a quarter point. I know. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah. there I have a lot of services, that, whether they be awesome. debt-related or just subscription-related, where I get discounts for being in auto pay. Yep. Yeah. And it's a big impact over 10 years. That's Absolutely. A, it's a massive amount. By the way, like if you look at some of the banks and the, and the loan programs as well, they will also offer discounts on those loan programs based on having a certain amount in checking and other yeah. accounts that you have. So definitely look at your, your financial institutions if they're offering student loans and, and you can go through them. Um, I've mentioned this a few times, but find a job with loan forgiveness. Again, there are jobs out there. If you look, that will help you pay off your debt. Um, and you know, you make commitments to them like they're making commitments to you. It's typically not one for one. They just pay it and say, thanks for working with us. You maybe 
have to work there two, three, four years, but it's a great trade-off. Um, obviously, the military would be something like that, an ROTC That's loan, right. or just even if you didn't go through ROTC, join the military, and they have all kinds of, of loan repayment programs. So when you ever, you know, for individuals that feel like they're just never going to get out of that hole or debt, and they're not quite sure where they're going, that's a great option to take a look at. Um, use bonuses. So, you know, a lot of jobs have commission plans, have bonuses, so on and so forth, or find a job that does, or if you're in a business, like you're working the hospitality business and you get tips, use that extra money to make extra payments. It's amazing what paying an extra $100 a month will do if you can figure out ways to do it or one-time bigger events and just pay off chunks at a time. It will take that 10-year loan down. It can take it down to three, four, or five years. Um, pick the right prepayment plan. Um, so there are options out there. Typically, it can be 10 years, but you could go up to 20 to 25. Again, make that payment affordable and look at what your total debt is and how those are structured. Another one is avoid capitalized interest. Um, so while you're in school, um, you don't want to be paying interest on your interest. Um, and that's just most people don't understand that. So don't wait in simplistic terms. Don't wait until you graduate to start paying because now you're, that interest is accrued and you're literally paying interest on the interest. So start making payments against principal as soon as you can. Um, that's good. Budget. You know, it's, yep. it's yeah. basic budgeting, you know, not making a plug, but, you know, we have a great platform. Creditanddebt.org is one of the options out there. Take a look and just set a budget. What do you have coming in every month? And, you know, what's your, what's your fix, what are your fixed expenses? What are your discretionary spend? And just be smart and have discipline. If you can learn that now, when you're in school or coming out of school or at any point in life, life will be easier. I promise you. And then, that, and then the extra is, uh, last one is just get a side job. If you feel overwhelmed with debt, why, why let yourself every night go back and stir yourself up and feel that stress? Go get a, go get a job doing something you like. Right. Tie it in with a hobby. Make a little bit of extra money and use that to pay down your debt. That's my top 10. That's good. Those were really good. Yeah, those were really good. Thank uh, you. Good, uh, well-rounded. Thank really you. Good. Was this recorded? By the way, the fact they both said that, I don't think I've ever heard that from them before. So it's. <laughs> wow, that was a great episode. If you enjoyed this and want more, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on future topics. Follow us on all your favorite social platforms for bonus content and behind the scenes fun. Thanks for joining us on this journey towards financial empowerment. Until next time, stay tuned, stay sappy, and see you next time on IDIQ Labs.